The Fantasy Football Heroes and Villains podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is brought to you by Shady Rays. SGPN is teaming up with Shady Rays for Shady May. Get 50% off your Shady Rays using promo code SGPN. Then go to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash shady for your chance to win $500. And we're also brought to you by our Kentucky Derby Contest. The winner gets a $100 SGPN gift card exclusively on the SGPN app. And the SGPN Fantasy Football team is giving away a Lamar Jackson jersey in the month of May. Leave a five-star review on our Spotify or Apple podcast to enter. Direct message us your review at SGPN Fantasy on Twitter to confirm your entry. The winner will be selected May 31st. Gens assemble. Welcome to Fantasy Football Heroes and Villains. I am your host, Justin Bruni. Joining me as always is my co-host, Andrew, the TD King, Rob. And our special guest this evening is Mr. John Zaglul of uh, Sports Talk Chicago. How are we doing, gentlemen? Great to see you guys. Great to be here. Um, Very honored to be on with you, Justin and Andrew. I know we had gone back and forth about this over Facebook, so... I'm looking forward to some NFC North conversation. Bears were active in the draft. Other teams were as well. I know we're going to have a good time breaking it down here tonight. Appreciate you guys having me. Yeah, appreciate you coming on, talking some ball with us. Very excited to get your your insights on the NFC North and our uh, Chicago Bears specifically. Andrew, how are you doing? I know you're weathering uh, your own personal storm here on the on the home front. Want to get us a quick update? Yeah, man. Yeah. Uh, so everything everything's going well with Triton. Um, you know, obviously still in the still in the NICU. Um, but he's uh, he's moving along pretty well. You know, progressing nicely. And uh, the doctors, uh, you know, are always super caring and and um, you know give us updates throughout the day as well. Obviously, we can't be there twenty four seven to be with him, unfortunately. So, uh, but everything's going well, and I'm excited to listen to two Chicago experts talk about the Bears. <laughs> Well, I don't know about an expert, you know, we, we try to leave some of the biases at home, but there are definitely some things to be excited about, you know, the, with the Bears and the NFC North, we got Aaron Rodgers leaving, we've got the, the roster improving overall, so, you know, things are pointing in a good direction. Uh, this evening, we are going to be playing Heroes and Villains, we're going to be running through some of the top fantasy options on best ball in the NFC North. Right now, we're going to start at the quarterback position, we're going to look at uh, the Chicago Bears here, we're looking at Justin Fields. It's a pretty rich ADP. It's a pretty rich position rank. The guy ran for over 1,000 yards last year out of the quarterback position. He's coming off the board at quarterback four. John, let's get right into it here. Is Justin Fields going to be a hero or villain in fantasy this upcoming season? I think he's going to be a huge hero. And it's somebody who you should probably draft, and I would even consider starting as being your QB1 in fantasy this year, simply because there's so much upside on both fronts. He runs the football. He's probably going to get another 1,000 yards, if not at least 800, I would guess, in the low end. Plus, I think, realistically, pass for around 3,500 to 4,000 yards. He has wide receivers. Now he has an offensive line, and that was his biggest problem last year. He's getting sacked so many times, didn't have, didn't have enough time to throw the football, and had no weapons to throw to. And now he has mm. weapons. Now he has an offensive line. 
and he could still run the football at a very good rate. I expect lots of touchdowns both in the air and on the ground. I expect big yardage on the ground and even in the air as well. I think we're going to see a career year out of Justin Fields and certainly a big opportunity for him to cash in fantasy-wise for anybody watching. I'm certainly excited about him. I mean, it feels very expensive when I have to draft him over players like Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson. So when I'm getting him, I definitely want to be, you know, nuanced, right? Like I want to be able to get some of the other options there with the team. You know, maybe the running backs definitely don't want to be leaving without DJ Moore in best ball. And yeah, I mean, you have to love that upside, you know, moving out of that first spot, getting a real receiver in this league, you know, a receiver in DJ Moore that I've considered to be, you know, what I call QB proof, right? He can produce with bad quarterbacks, and now it feels like he's getting a huge, huge upgrade at the position. So very excited for both of those guys. Andrew, what are your thoughts here as an, uh, as an outsider? You know, play a little devil, devil's ad- advocate here, because you already know I think he's going to be playing hero ball this year. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I, I like what Justin Fields brings to the table. You know, as John alluded to, uh, you know, he, he has better uh, pass catchers now. They upgraded the offensive line with Darnell Wright in the first round. I think that's a really good pick for them. And, of course, he's going to run the shit out of the ball like he did last year. I mean, right. you know, I still think the Bears are going to be behind in some games. And as we saw last year, you know, this was the case, and he still ran the ball. So uh, that that leads me to believe that no matter what, He's going to get his, you know, his um, yards on the ground and now, you know, bring over uh, DJ Moore. Uh, you know, obviously, so have Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, the project of Chase Claypool. You know, we'll see how, if that works out for him. But, mm. you know, as QB4, I think that's right where he should be going. Um, you know, I, I think it, it's a little rich for the rounds that, that he's going. I mean, that, you know, this is predominantly end of round two into round three for him. Um, but the stacking potential for him in fantasy is is really nice. I mean, you don't have to reach too far to grab any of his um, any of his weapons. So I, I think that he will end up being hero, uh, you know, due to all those factors. What do we think about? Let's move over to the Lions here. It sounds like we're all pretty much agreeing about uh, Justin Fields. Lions, they've got some movement here. They're going to be missing Jamison Williams. They've moved on from DeAndre Swift. A lot of moving pieces in this offense here. John, what do you think about Jared Goff this year as a as a fantasy hero or villain? Impressive numbers this past season. Um, very, very efficient. Was it 29 passing touchdowns, just seven interceptions? One of his better seasons if he wasn't, you know, playing for McVay, throwing 5,000 yards. You know, he was very good. Do you expect him to maintain this level? Like, is he going to be consistent from year one in Detroit to year two? I would say there's going to be a little bit of a drop-off, but not to the point where it'd be wrong to draft him in fantasy. I still expect mm-hmm. Jared Goff to get 4,000, maybe 3,900 to 4,000 yards. I'm expecting maybe 25 touchdowns and picks. Uh, okay. Jared Goff, surprisingly to me, and I think surprisingly to everybody, has performed quite well in Detroit. I thought he was going to go there and die, frankly. I thought it was going to be over for Jared <laughs> Goff, and he was going to become this backup, relegated quarterback for the rest of his career. But instead, he's turned into Ironically enough, really one of the best quarterbacks in football statistically last season. I mm-hmm. think that'll continue to an extent. Uh, the good thing is, although DeAndre Swift is gone, David Montgomery is there. They have a good run game still set up, despite Swift being traded away to Philadelphia. And there was a report even that Swift wanted out after the Lions uh, drafted a running back there in the first round uh, this past week in the draft. So the Lions offensively are still talented. They still got firepower. They still got ways to score the football. And Jared Goff is going to be a big part of that. Is he the long-term answer? Probably not. And I think eventually the Lions will get to a point where they're going to have to 
seriously draft a quarterback as high hmm. as they could go uh, to replace Jared Goff. But at the moment, he's probably one of the best stopgaps we've seen in recent memory. I mean, a stopgap shouldn't be thrown for 4,500 yards and 30 touchdowns, but Goff right. did it. And I think he could do something similar, maybe a little bit of a dip in production, but not too much. Yeah, I, I definitely sympathize, sympathize with that. Would you think that he's a villain then based off of that, you know, expected drop off that you're anticipating? Yeah, I would say borderline villain just because he might throw for, what, 500 less yards. Um, okay. I don't think it's going to be significant or he's going to drop to 3,000 yards and 19 touchdowns and 15 picks, something along mm-hmm. those lines. I still think he's going to put up good numbers, but it will be a drop off from last year. You can't expect Jared Goff, even though he did great. I can't expect him as a player to replicate last season. It's just going to be too difficult for him. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, Andrew, do you tend to agree? And do you also believe uh, you know, that missing Jamison Williams is going to play a factor in his, uh, his production? I do. Yeah, I, I agree a lot with what John was saying. I, I do expect a little bit of a dip for Jared Goff. Uh, going as QB 17, though, you know, mm-hmm. I feel like that's still um, you know, an okay range for him to go. I mean, at, at that you know draft capital, he's going to be your your QB two in redraft. Um, I do like him a lot more in best ball. You know, you don't have to kind of figure out which weeks the lines are going to to uh, perform well. I do think, though, you know, it's going to be a, a little bit of a rough start to the season. No Jamison Williams. Once again, they don't really have anybody behind Amon Ron St. Brown. Depending on how you feel about their newly acquired Sam Laporta, you know, I, I like Sam Laporta a lot. If you go back mm-hmm. and watch his college tape, I mean, that, that dude balled out. Uh, so I actually like that pick a lot. I do feel they kind of reached on him a little bit, but what that's telling me is that they are probably going to utilize him and have a plan for him. Same thing with Jameer Gibbs, right? They they didn't go just draft him at 12 to let him sit on the bench and not make plays, right? So I think they're going to use him a lot, which is, again, why I kind of think like Jared Goff will dip down a little bit on the t- on the uh, touchdown and yardage mm-hmm. um, you know, categories there. But as QB 17, I think that that's fine. Uh, I, I would say he's more or less the, the, the anti-hero, you know, as we like to say, he's kind of right there for me. I, I don't think that at 17, it's hero or villain. Um, I mean, if you had to make me say it, I, I guess I would say villain just because mm-hmm. I think the Lions could potentially take a step back. Um, I, again, like I, I like what they do, but like the Bears better in the division. The Vikings are, you know, also pretty good. And who knows what the Packers are going to do, right? So it, you know, I, I would say villain, um, but I, I still think he's a viable, good option and a good stacking partner, uh, you know, in best ball. Yeah, absolutely. I, I actually think he's going to be a, a hero. I, I like the pieces around him and the value that you're getting like that far back at QB 17. Like it feels like a gift, you know, because I'm going to pair him with somebody else. Of course, he's, he's not just going to be like my, my top guy. But if I do get into some best ball drafts where he's my first quarterback taken, you know, I'm probably exposing myself to a lot of other areas, you know, to, to profit. Uh, elite receivers, elite running backs, whatever it is. Uh, so I, I really don't hate, you know, starting a build with him at the back end of my draft. Again, QB 17, very friendly for the type of numbers that he put up last year. Uh, I think the range of outcomes definitely don't, you know, exclude him having, you know, a, a, a similar season. Uh, let's hit a quick word from our sponsor, Shady Rays, and we'll be right back after this talking more in a, NFC North. <clears throat> Let me uh, get prepared here for the Shady Rays. Throw on the old nice Shady Rays. Uh, Shady Rays is teaming up with SGPN for Shady May. Not only do you get an amazing 50% off, but you also have a chance to win $500. Shady Rays has you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and much more. Shady Rays have durable frames and extremely clear optics for outdoor activities. That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. 
every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. So if you're out, you know, balling, you know, on the courts or playing a little bit of football out there on the gridiron or, uh, you know, like me, like to get out some kayaking, do a little fishing, you lose them, you break them, not a big deal. Hit up Shady Rays. They will give you a replacement pair. Uh, just go to ShadyRays.com and use promo code SGPN for 50% off of two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Then take your receipt to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash Shady for your chance to win the $500 Shady May contest. And the SGPN Fantasy Football team is giving away a Lamar Jackson jersey in the month of May. Leave a five-star review on our Spotify or Apple podcast to enter. Direct message us your review at SGPN Fantasy on Twitter to confirm your entry. Winner will be selected May 31st. All right, and we're back in talking NFC North best ball values, hero or villains. John, next man up here is Kirk Cousins. I want to tip my pick here. He is a hero for me this year. I have him at quarterback eight. Not great for your NFL team, but I, I like him in fantasy, you know, especially in best ball where I'm getting best scores available. What are your thoughts on him for this upcoming year? Yeah, from a fantasy perspective, he certainly put up volume type numbers last year, but I will point your attention to this. Last year, statistically, was actually one of the worst seasons he's had in his <laughs> career. Most interceptions he's ever thrown in one season, mm -hmm. worst quarterback passer rating he's posted in one season in which he's played a full slate at least 15 or 16 games in last year's case 17. So Kirk Cousins actually regressed significantly. It was masked by the fact that the Vikings had a new head coach, a new GM, and they won games despite having a similar point differential to the year before in which everybody got fired. So I find it very interesting. I find his case interesting in general. Um, I would say in general, it's probably going to be a villain for me. Uh, if Kirk Cousins continues down this path, it's only going to get worse and worse incrementally. Uh, the Vikings could cover him like they did last year and play well, and everyone will be happy. But at the end of the day, those numbers that he put up last year were not necessarily elite by any stretch. Maybe the yards were there, but the interceptions, the passer mm -hmm. rating put him more statistically as a league average quarterback. Uh, that trend were to continue, which I think it may to an extent, uh, that's going to be a problem for him long term. So I'm going to call him a villain. If he proves me wrong, so be it. But uh, I'm just, I'm a little bit wary after last season for him. Yeah, the offense definitely pushes him to to throw the ball more, which I I, I welcome definitely in, in fantasy. Like and like I said, uh, not great for your your NFL team. You know, if you're uh, looking around the league for you know to upgrade at the quarterback position, you're probably not looking for Kirk Cousins. You know, who can't play in prime time, super inconsistent. But uh, yeah, in this, in this scoring format, I'm just all about him with that connection to Justin Jefferson. Loved the addition in uh, in Addison. Loved, loved, loved the trade for Hawkinson last season. I couldn't believe that they were able to pull that off inside the division, but the benefits were just crazy uh, for Cousins and Hawkinson, both alike. Um, but, but I totally understand. Like the the efficiency may not be there, so I can definitely see why you know like you would call him a villain. Why most people do consider him that actually. Um, most times when I say something good about Kirk Cousins, I get some weird looks, and that's that, that, that's okay. Andrew, settle the debate here: hero or villain? Man, so he's currently going as QB 14. I have him ranked as QB 13, so he's right there for me. Once again, I mean, you know, you're hitting the nail on the head here. So um, the, the, the things I look at, though, and this is kind of what I think John's alluding to, is if you look at 2021, he had 561 pass attempts for 4,221 yards. Mm -hmm. 2022, he had 643 attempts for 4,547 yards. So only 300 more yards on 80 more uh, attempts. The efficiency, you know, last year was just awful, um, you know, and that's something that, that they need to clean up. And again, like 
they did just add Jordan Addison. And I think that that is truly going to help them. I mean, he's a, for me, huge upgrade over Adam Thielen. I'm not an Adam Thielen mm-hmm. guy, as we all, all know on the show. So, you know, I think that that's a big um, upside move for them. So I do think that that moves the needle a little bit. TJ Hawkinson, another year in the offense, more integrated, you know, more plays being called his way. And, you know, and he, they used him a lot when he came over last year. So I, I think he's right there. I think where he's going is completely fine. I do prefer him in best ball over redraft uh, due to the fact of, you know, he, he's pretty consistent. And and again, as a you know Washington fan, I got to see a lot of Kirk Cousins back in the day. And he has mm-hmm. some really good games. And then there's just games that he goes out there that he looks like he forgot what he's doing. I mean, he just makes dumb decisions. So I, I want to kind of stay away from a redraft if at all possible. But for best ball, you know, I, I, I think that that's better suited for him, for your uh, team. And again, like the stacking potential there. It's, it's a little higher than the other teams we've been talking about so far. So, I mean, you really got to be all in on the Vikings to get those stacks. But, um, I mean, overall, I think it's completely fine where he's going at QB14. Yeah, I, I definitely don't hate him at his, uh, at his ADP. But as you've seen in our live drafts, <clears throat> I'm not deterred uh, from moving him up the board if necessary because I do love that volume. I mean, if you're not getting a running quarterback in fantasy now, the best thing that you can get is somebody that's going to pass a lot. So if Hawkinson's in that offense another year, getting more adequate with it, I'm assuming that Kirk Cousins can do the same, hopefully, and maybe uh, you know bring a little bit more efficiency to his game. Uh, I think this one's going to be a, a, a quick pick here. Well, Jordan Love, hero or villain? I'm I'm all in on villain. I'm all in on the tank for the Packers. What, yeah. What do we think, John? Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way. Uh, <laughs> there's just there's not enough evidence or data to, to suggest otherwise. Uh, he could blow us all out of the water, but think about the Packers situation. Aaron Rodgers couldn't stop bitching about the fact that he had rookie <laughs> wide receivers last year. Well, now you're pairing essentially a rookie quarterback with rookie wide receivers. Uh, Green Bay's offensive staff is completely tanked. I mean, you know. Luke Getzey's right here in Chicago. Uh, Nathaniel Hackett's out there in, with the Jets, ironically enough. Mm-hmm. Randall Cobb went over there, too. So it's going to yeah, be very difficult for Jordan Love uh, with, with little staffing and then little mm-hmm. talent around him to succeed. He showed last year that he has potential, I think, to a lot of us, or to a lot of our surprise, that there was some legit potential there in an NFL system. But I will call him a villain because I just don't know. And, and I really don't believe in it because... The circumstances around him are stacked up against him. If he overcomes it, it'll mm-hmm. really show that he's the main driver uh, of that situation over there in Green Bay to the point where, hey, he's a really talented quarterback. That's huge for him, and that'll bode well for his future. But that's really wishful thinking, I would say, at this point, considering where the Packers stand. Completely agree. Yeah, as I make it three for three, he's a villain for me too. Um, you know, I agree with everything you guys say. We don't need to to, to beat a dead horse here, but until he kind of proves it, Mm-hmm. He, he's, he's way on the bottom of the list. I, I currently have him uh, ranked as uh, QB 26. So I highly doubt I'll be having any Jordan Love this year. Let's, uh, let's stay right here with the Packers, actually. I'm just going to jump over to their, uh, their top receiver in Christian Watson, who I also feel has villain status. And maybe it's because of the direct connection with Jordan Love. But I am just not buying Christian Watson at wide receiver 22. He scored seven touchdowns last season on just... 65 targets. If I'm as low as I am on Jordan Love, I cannot be in on Christian Watson this high. Andrew, I've discussed this with you before. I have him backed up probably about 15 to 18 spots. Uh, John, what are your thoughts on Christian Watson for this season? Can he thrive in an offense with an underwhelming uh, quarterback, with an underwhelming offense that's probably not visiting the red zone too often? 
The only reason I could say, and I will say that he's a slight villain, if that's terminology that I'm, or a slight hero, I should say, that I'm allowed, okay. if I'm allowed to use that terminology here, I'll, I'll use that. And the only reason I say that is because he's really the only prominent weapon for this team. I mean, he he stood out most amongst the mediocrity that was the Packers last year. Mm-hmm. He really did stand out. And, you know, although Aaron Rodgers hated his targets and hated the rookies around him, Watson did get 600 plus yards. Um, I think there's going to be an opportunity for him to maybe get I don't know, 700, 800 being the main piece of the Packers mm-hmm. offense from the wide receiving cores perspective. So I think, <laughs> excuse me, I think there's an opportunity for him. Um, that said, though, I'm not going to sit here like I wouldn't draft him. I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm all in on Christian Watson. He might right. be a value pick in the later rounds and he might turn out to be a nice 800 yard, maybe five or six touchdown wide receiver. So I guess I'd call him a slight hero. But I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's going to lead the league in receiving yards or be even be even in the top ten. I don't find that likely. Uh, yeah, man. So I I struggle with Christian Watson a little bit. I've been moving him back and forth in my rankings. I think right now I have him at 22. I believe uh, it's it is hard for me to see him blowing up with Jordan Love, but he has very good talent. I mean, I, this was a guy I wrote about early. Uh, last year about somebody that you should be drafting at the end of drafts because he was going so late. He has elite talent, and I, I understood that that he was hurt. He wasn't going to start the year, and but I mean, once he got going, I mean, he was awesome. Now, granted, that was with Aaron Rodgers, and he's not there anymore, so there's some caveat to all that. But do I think he could finish as a wide receiver two for fantasy? I I do. Um, I I do think it'll be in this back end range here, but I feel like that's where he will end up slotting in. So. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, again, I mean, it's right there for me. Um, I'll go hero because, again, I, I think he can sneak himself into wide receiver two territory for us. But he's not somebody I'm, I'm going out and getting. I'd rather have Calvin Ridley who's going around him, Drake London who's going around him. There's just oh, other yeah. guys I feel um, better about. Uh, but, but again, like I'm not going to shy away from him, but he's not uh, somebody I'm targeting. I just see him being very middled uh, between Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I feel like that is going to be the identity of their offense, right? And everything else is just going to be a very West Coast dink and dunk type of operation. I think if Watson is going to have value, it's based on him getting an immense role like a Debo Samuel type of role because they have nobody else, right? Like they just have to open up the playbook and get really creative and find, you know, unique ways to get him the ball. And if they do that with volume, then, you know, I'm going to be completely wrong here, but I just don't see that happening because again, you know, I told you guys off camera before we started, I'm in the boat that they get themselves into the Caleb Williams sweepstakes and they really try to drive themselves to the bottom of the league because Look around the locker room. They don't have the options to go out and attack the league, let alone the division. So I, I, that's the, the situation and the way I'm reading the room. So uh, let's move back up to the Lions. Looking at Amon, Ra, St. Brown. He is definitely one of my heroes this uh, upcoming season. Again, I'm on a little bit more of a positive note on Jared Goff. But I, I feel like the missing time from Jamison Williams is definitely going to add a little bit more front-end value to Amon Ross St. Brown's total you know, production come the end of the year. He improved from year one to year two with 90 to 106 receptions. John, what are you thinking here? I, I feel like I know the answer, but I, maybe I'm wrong. What, what, what do you say on, uh, on Mr. Amon Ra? I would argue he's the best receiver in this division at this point, and not okay. taking anything away from DJ Moore, but there's just more mm-hmm. chemistry there. He's been with Detroit now. This is going to be his third season. He and Jared Goff have obviously connected, and now with the opportunity to really be a WR one to the point where he's probably going to get the majority of targets, I think it's a no-brainer that he's a hero. 
And um, I think as far as statistically speaking on the field, he's going to even put up more numbers than DJ Moore or more numbers than any receiver in this division simply due to past output, due to his ability to connect with Jared Goff, due to the fact mm-hmm. that he really is the only guy technically, and due to the fact that DJ Moore, just like Chase Claypool last year, he's going to have to get used to Justin Fields and this system in Chicago. And there could be some growing pains. I don't expect DJ Moore to come in and you know catch 90 passes for 1,200 yards. It could happen, but we don't know that for sure. And Chase Claypool was unfortunately a scary example of that last year where he came in and didn't really hit it off, now has an opportunity to prove himself again. There's familiarity, there's continuity, and there's a great opportunity for Ahmed Ross St. Brown to do even better than he did last year. I think it could happen. Yeah, absolutely love it. Anything to add on there, Andrew? Yeah, I was going to say, John, you better hope Justin Jefferson isn't listening to this because when you say that Amram might be the... Might be the best, uh, you know, in this division. I think Justin Jefferson might have something to say about that. But I, I actually, you know, I, I agree with you on, on everything you said about Amra. Like he, he's a great PPR guy. Um, you know, he he has that opportunity and continuity with Jared Goff. And I, I you know, we, we saw it last year. I, I actually traded for him a lot of leagues midseason because it just it felt like he was about to go off, and and he did at the end of the season. He was electric. He's he's a great playmaker, uh, and he he sits in that spot where Jared Goff feels comfortable throwing the ball, and that's across the middle. We don't see Jared Goff throw it deep a whole lot. Um, and when mm-hmm. he does, he's, he's a little bit uh, you know inaccurate, to say the least. So I think Amra you know, fits best with Jared Goff there, and, and you know what his skill set is, is going to really shine in Detroit. And especially the first six weeks, you know, I mean, no Jamison Williams. I expect a very large target share for the sun god, Amra St. Brown. So, uh, yeah, I mean, he, he's a hero to me. Yeah, a thousand percent agree. And I mean, also just look at Hawkinson's gone. They have a rookie tight end. They still have some some veteran guys, you know, like Khalif Raymond, Josh Reynolds, uh, that Goff is familiar with. But you just look around and it's just like, well, we've got two pretty decent running backs and Amon Ross St. Brown. So I mean, and I could see them making like a maybe like a veteran move or something like that. They, they might bring in, you know, someone with uh, experience that may be still sitting in free agency. I know we have, you know, a good handful of veterans that are still looking for jobs, but Regardless, man, I mean, it's wheels up for Amon Ra to start this season, and I feel like that early on production is just going to result in even more so after Jamison comes back because Jamison Williams is going to be suspended for six weeks. Like he gets to be there for the preseason, and then once the season starts, he's gone. Like you can't touch a facility, you can't meet with coaches, you can't touch the playbook, you can't do anything. So I think it's going to be very interesting. Also, when he does come back, to you know maybe not see like key shifts that people are looking for. Uh, let's hit a quick word from our sponsors, and then we'll finish off the uh, the back end of the show here. Uh, Andrew, you want to hit a quick word from the good folks at uh, Underdog? Yeah, most certainly. Uh, we are brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Best Ball Mania 4 is here, and Underdog Fantasy is giving away $15 million in prizes. Plus, plenty of ways to win with the NBA, NHL, and the MLB with their player prop parlays. Head over to underdogfantasy.com and use promo code SGPN for a 100% Deposit bonus up to $100. That's underdogfantasy.com, promo code SGPN. And it's Kentucky Derby Week, and the Notorious OTB brought to you by the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is here for all Triple Crown bets. Plus, leave a review for the show wherever you get your podcast between now and Belmont Saturday, June 10th, and you'll be entered into a drawing to win a canvas print of the Wolf's one-of-a-kind Fallen Bob painting. It's post time and we have a bonus contest exclusively on the sgpn app winner gets a 100 sgpn gift card 
Okay, and we're back in. We're talking NFC North best ball preview. Uh, just covered Amon Ross St. Brown of the Lions. Let's move down to, let's go with Justin Jefferson. I'll let you, I'll let you lead off with this one, Andrew. You know, best receiver in the league, best in the division. 101. You, you can't take him at any other spot, Andrew. I mean, you, you're not allowed to take him at 101. I only get those picks. But yeah, in best ball, I'm I'm uh, not allowed to have the 101 uh, as underdog says here for me. I, I'm yet to get that. So, uh, I mean, Justin Jefferson. There's not too much that we really need to hit on here outside of I mean, he's awesome. Um, he's clearly the number one target. For the Vikings, um, he makes just spectacular catches. Kirk Cousins obviously knows that if he doesn't throw him the ball enough, he's going to get pissed off. We've seen it before. You know, that there's a video clip of uh, Kirk, like, overthrowing him, and all you hear is, come on, Kirk. Like, he, he knows that Kirk Cousins knows he needs the ball. So there's, there's not a lot that you need to say about him. I mean, you, you know, his play speaks for itself. He's going to get the targets. Um, I mean, and he's just awesome. You know, the, I know there's a debate between him and Jamar Chase. I kind of stand to the side of that because I like them both a whole lot. Uh, mm -hmm. But, I mean, if you really want Justin Jefferson, you really can't get him outside of the number one spot. So, um, yeah, I mean, he, he's clearly the best wide receiver, um, you know, in, in this division to me. No offense to Amara St. Brown, but he's not Justin Jefferson. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Justin Jefferson's awesome. I mean, he just is. I, I hate what he wears at the pregame. Like, the, he had, like, the, the, the weird-looking goggles on, and he has his grills in, like, that that's too flashy for me, but I mean, what he does on the field, you know, for the sixty minutes is is just pure electric. What do you, what do you say, John? Going to finish as wide receiver one this year or, or the field? Yeah, I would say he's going to be WR one, certainly a hero, and um, he's put up just a historic stretch, even in his first three seasons. I believe it's most receiving yards ever in first three seasons in NFL history. He has just mm -hmm. done amazing things out there in Minnesota. Obviously, it's Kirk Cousins' go-to guy, and I would even argue Kirk Cousins. Uh, statistically is elevated because Justin Jefferson is there making some catches that maybe other receivers, or I, sh I shouldn't even say maybe, most receivers would not make. Uh, Bass Bros and Cousins that turn into big catches, big yards, even touchdowns uh, because Jefferson's so athletic, able to body defenders and make plays. Um, so yeah, definite WR1. Not much else that needs to be said. The stats don't lie. The numbers don't lie on him. And I expect uh, more of the same thing coming up this season. Right on, right on. Let's move over to our guy, DJ Moore. Uh, I'm expecting a big year for him. I'm, I'm definitely, if we're giving up that 101, I want over 100 catches, John. I mean, the, AD, the ADP is pretty friendly, I feel like. I don't think that we're having to spend, you know, elite, um, you know, draft exposure on him or, or draft capital. I feel like getting him in that wide receiver two territory is, is pretty friendly for a guy that I anticipate should get over 140 targets. And maybe that's being, you know, a little bit too anxious or excited for week one. But, you know, when you go out and you try to, you know, elevate yourself in one particular part of the offense and you're giving up your first pick for it, the first overall pick in the draft, I have to imagine there's going to be a commitment level there. So as much as I still love Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, even Chase Claypool another year in this offense, I just have to imagine the experience, the ability is going to be there and the demand is going to be there you know, I, I, I've been saying he should be getting like 30% target share, but me and Andrew are going, kind of going back and forth here. How much is this offense going to pass? And maybe you can settle that debate for us. Like, do you think that we're going to be a top 15 team in passing attempts, or are we going to try to lean into this run game now that we have some more depth there? What are your thoughts on the situation? Yeah, I'm pretty concerned that they won't pass as much as they should. I think they should because it's going to only mm -hmm. help Justin Fields grow. It's going to help this offense grow. It's going to help them become eventually a Super Bowl contender because last year's model, as historic as it was on the ground, is not sustainable. It's not going mm -hmm. to be sustainable for a championship, not even a division title. 
So I want them to pass more, and I'd love a world in which DJ Moore gets 140 targets. I'm not as confident in that, only because right now we don't know what the offense is going to look like. We don't know how many times they're going to run versus pass, and we also don't know because Justin Fields is still throwing, which people don't really want to hear that, but it's true. Justin is still going to have to now get used to, hey, I have a good line. Hey, I need Mm -hmm. to throw the football instead of just run and gain 10 yards. I have to stay in the pocket and throw a little bit more. I think there's still going to be time, especially early, maybe the first eight games, to really develop, feel out, see what's what, and understand for Justin how he's going to be using all these weapons that are now at his disposal. So Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say 140 targets. I'm not even going to say 100 catches. I expect maybe 1,000 yards, maybe 1,100, maybe about 70 to 80 catches. I think that's certainly attainable for DJ Moore, and that's on the short side. I still Mm -hmm. say he's a hero, though, because he is going to be the definite WR1 in Chicago, and he should get the majority of targets. That's no question. Uh, He is way more accomplished and much, much better than Chase Claypool or Darnell Mooney. And I think that's a definite statement to say without question. Anything to add, Andrew? I already know that you love him. So I, I, I do. I, I like DJ Moore a whole lot. Um, you know, <laughs> I, I was in on him last year, which uh, didn't work out very well for me because the Panthers yeah. just decided to not throw him the ball and utilize him as he should. But but again, like the Bears didn't go get him for no reason. Uh, they clearly know that he's the best on the team. The, the thing that concerns me just is the pass attempts. You know, mm-hmm. Fields had 318 last year. If you give him like a 20% increase, that's like 370-ish attempts. That's still like last in the league. Like, uh, Got to crank those numbers that. up, man. Yeah, they, they need to pass the ball more. And again, you know, last year he ran the ball a lot because I think organically the offensive line broke down around him and he needed mm-hmm. to hustle out of there and so he didn't get killed once again in the backfield. So I, if, you know, they obviously addressed that, that situation there and I think that that is going to help them, but... I mean, I'd like to see these numbers, you know, more than like 430 pass attempts, if at all possible. You know, we we really need that to happen to have DJ Moore's potential, um, you know, opened up here for us. So we'll see what happens. And, and again, I, I like DJ Moore. I'm going to be drafting him, but I really hope that they focus on allowing Justin Fields to sit back there and pass the ball a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's going to happen. I don't know. I, I feel like it's a little bit of a stretch to get to 430, 450 pass attempts. But again, I, I do think they're going to be behind in games. You know, and obviously when you're behind in games, you usually pass more, except for last year where they just decided to run the ball even more. So we'll see mm-hmm. what happens. But again, I'm, I, I like DJ Moore. I think he's a, a fantasy hero where he's currently going. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I'll still be drafting him. Yeah, I certainly didn't hate those uh, 64 yard touchdown runs when everything <laughs> broke down. You know. <laughs> Pretty sure one of those weeks he almost won me, uh, you know, a couple, couple $10,000 or something. I mean, Cole Komet, mm-hmm. that would have been nice. All right. With uh, about the last 10 to 11 minutes here, we're going to go through the running backs of each team. And we're going to identify on the team who is the hero and who is the villain. This first situation is a little interesting with the Minnesota Vikings because Dalvin Cook does appear like he could be on the way out the door. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings were actually in the market for David Montgomery at one point, and they lost out uh, uh, to the Detroit Lions, which is actually pretty interesting. But that just signifies, it, or at least what I feel like, is how out the Minnesota Vikings are on Dalvin Cook or vice versa. And, you know, the Vikings have read the room here. So we've got Dalvin Cook. We've got Alexander Madison. I feel like Cook will be a hero because he's going to be leaving. And I'm not an Alexander Madison guy. I just never have been. So it's hard for me to consider him a hero. John, how are you reading this situation? Do you think Cook stays? Does he go? Who's going to be the lead man there? I think eventually Cook is going to be on his way out. I agree with that assessment. I think, although I'm not high on Madison, 
although he doesn't necessarily have the numbers to warrant it, um, he's certainly got an increase in workload the past couple of seasons in which he didn't have before. Really, nobody else had, because at one point, Dalvin Cook was one of the best running backs in the game when healthy. Uh, clearly, that's not the case anymore. I think Madison's going to have an increased workload. I think it could almost become kind of a Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott situation where maybe there's too many carries being split and you really don't know who to go with in Minnesota. Uh, that, that's what I really think is going to happen there this year. So I think Madison more of a hero and mm. Dalvin Cook more of a villain. I still think Cook will probably get, I don't know, maybe 900 to 1,000 yards, which will be fine, but certainly not up to his par. Madison, I think, will get more carries and in turn more yards because of the volume and usage. Right on. What do you think, Andrew? Oh, man. So I've been staying away from Dalvin Cook right now in these best ball drafts because I, I do think he's on his way out as well. And depending on where he goes, I mean, his his current you know positional ranking of uh, RB18, that could go sky high or it could go, you know, drop to the floor. Uh, if it drops, I'll be more interested in Dalvin Cook. Um, you know, I, I, I like what he brings to the table. I like his skill set. I just think him and the Vikings need to part ways and, and he gets a fresh start. So it really depends on the situation for me, but I'm not drafting a whole lot of them. I actually do find the value in Alexander Madison currently as RB32. If Dalvin Cook's on his way out and they don't really have too many options to bring in here, maybe they bring in a Zeke. But I mean, why would you do that? Alexander Madison is kind of like a younger, not as shitty Zeke. Um, and, and again, you know, biasy on the Cowboys, right? Uh, but <laughs> I just I, I don't really see what their options are to bring somebody else in. They did draft uh, Dwayne McBride. I do like Dwayne McBride a little bit, you know. Mm -hmm. That's more dynasty talk here, but I, I like Madison's value right now at RB32. Mm -hmm. That is somebody I do like to kind of target a little bit in these drafts because if Cook leaves and he is de facto one, you're getting mm -hmm. him as RB32 right now, and there's no way in hell that he's finishing any worse than RB32. So I find that as good value. Madison, to me, a hero. Cook right now is a stay away until we figure out mm -hmm. what's actually happening with him. Um, you know, and If he moves on, we'll reassess, but depending on the situation, he could also be a hero. Right, absolutely. I mean, you're going to see an ADP shift there regardless if Cook moves out, right? Like, Madison's going to shoot up, so if you're really buying that that's going to happen soon or, you know, down the line this offseason, by all means, buy in on him. And I don't hate that, right? Like, I, I never hate on value. I drafted Michael Gallup earlier today, and I felt absolutely sick to my stomach about it. But <laughs> it was 11 picks after, or 11 spots after his ADP. So, you know, I'll, I'll live. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to die there. <laughs> but uh, Dalvin Cook could also shoot up in the, in the right situation. Uh, if you were to leave there, guy that I like that I've been banging the drum on, Leonard Fournette to fill in behind him. I think that would be a nice one-two punch with him in Madison. Uh, next up, we have the Packers. We're looking at Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. I've already said that I really like both of them because of where else is the ball going to go other than protect the quarterback, run the ball a lot. I think they're both heroes, but I don't love where they're being drafted because I, I do still feel like they're being a little bit overvalued. John, what are your thoughts on these uh, two Packer RBs? Yeah, I think they're both heroes. Uh, I think both of them are going to put up significant numbers this year. You don't know what you're going to have at the quarterback position. You have a bunch of young wide receivers. They're going to be running the hell out of the football, especially if you're not going to be winning. And maybe if you're going to be tanking, you're going to be running mm -hmm. the football a lot this year. Uh, last year, 770 yards there for uh, A.J. Dillon, over 1,000 for Aaron Jones. That's really unbelievable that you almost have 2,000-yard rushers on the same team like that. And I would expect kind of the same pattern to happen this year. Both mm -hmm. heroes, both guys I'm high on. And a situation in which you could probably get a little bit more value for A.J. Dillon in the later rounds. If he runs for 800 yards and puts up some touchdowns, that's a lot better, in my opinion, than an RB32 or RB33, especially with where the position is going overall. But at the end of the day, I think they're both people you should be targeting and you should be high on this year. Agreed. I like it a lot. What do you think, Andrew? 
Yeah, I agree. I'm not going to add too much to it. Um, I, I like where they're both going right now. I do mm -hmm. think, again, they're, they're going to be running the ball a, a lot more than they normally do because when you go from Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love, I mean, you probably don't want to throw the ball as much, right? So I think they're both going to be uh, values of where they're going. I do prefer Aaron Jones still. He's just a baller on the field, man. He's a dog. Um, he, he wants the ball. And when he gets it in his hand, he is pretty dangerous. Um, obviously, out of the two, he has the better hands, you know, out of him and Dylan. So I do mm -hmm. still prefer him. And, and I'm fine with the RB16, um, you know, current positional ranking on Aaron Jones. So both heroes to me uh, do prefer Jones. But, I mean, Dylan is fine, especially if you're going with a zero RB build and kind of filling in uh, those running backs that's starting around, you know, RB30 or so. Uh, you know, AJ Dylan is, is a nice person or a nice player to draft. And, you know, Aaron Jones, we have known him to become injured. And if that happens, A.J. Dillon at RB33 is going to look real nice. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you see an injury to either one of those guys, you know, someone's value is going to skyrocket immediately. Uh, very similar to, you know, like Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt type of situation. Someone's just going to be in that pool to potentially now be an RB1 in the league. Uh, a couple more left here. We're looking at, um, I was about to say DeAndre Swift. I mean, just, just stuck in the brain. Uh, David Montgomery and uh, Jameer Gibbs for the Detroit Lions now. I think that they can both be heroes uh, based off of their ADP, but Gibbs right now feels kind of expensive just based off of maybe the recency bias from the draft. I still feel like he's going a little bit higher, but David Montgomery has settled well back into like what RB3 territory coming off the board. So I feel really good about drafting him. I I like Gibbs in theory. I think in theory he's a hero, but I just feel it's still a little bit more risky because people are just so high on him. You see him go in the first round. You see him being like really drafted not that far away from Bijan, like what, six picks? Not a, a big difference there as far as draft capital goes. So I still feel like there's some bias towards it, but I like both of these guys a lot. What are your thoughts here, John? Yeah, I feel the exact same way. I almost feel a little bit bad for David Montgomery. Now, granted, he's making more money. The reason why he chose Detroit was because they offered him more guaranteed money than the Bears, Vikings, and Packers. All those teams were interested in him. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the end of the day, he comes in, and it looks like, hey, he'll split the carries with DeAndre Swift. We'll see how it works out. And the Lions draft a running back round one. So I feel like Gibbs is probably going to get the majority, or at least more of those carries. It should be a battle in camp. Maybe Montgomery mm -hmm. will get some more short yardage situations, although technically, and most of the time here in Chicago, that was not his thing. It was more so downfield stuff, and then Cleo Herbert would get some touches uh, inside of the red zone. So we'll have to see how it works out. I'm high on both of them. They're both very talented players, but I will say that I'm a little bit more wary about David Montgomery now that they've brought in first-round mm -hmm. running back rookie. I mean, Gibbs is going to play, in my opinion, a majority of the time, or he'll get more carries at the end of the year than Montgomery simply because of that first-round draft status, pair of fresh legs, goodbye DeAndre Swift. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong, but I would say that Gibbs is probably going to get more action than Montgomery. That said, considering mm. both their values, I think they're both going to be heroes. Love it, love it. What do you think here, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, tell me if I'm crazy here, but uh, is, is Montgomery just going to fill into the J Jamal Williams role? I mean, if that's the case, Jamal Williams just led the NFL in touchdowns, uh, you know, and rushing touchdowns. So, I, you know, the thing I like about Jameer Gibbs here is that uh, what the Lions are telling us, they used a number 12 overall pick on Jameer Gibbs. You do not do that unless you plan on using him a ton. He's a littler back, so, I mean, depending on how he is used and how he gets hit, you know, it, he could get injured pretty quickly. But again, people said the same thing about Alvin Kamara coming in, and we saw what he ended up doing, right? So Jameer Gibbs, uh, I, 
I like the value for him. Uh, RB15 is fine for me because I, I could see him finishing as an RB1. I just mm-hmm. worry about how many touchdown opportunities he's going to get That that's inside the 20-yard line. Yep. That's where I think David Montgomery is going to fill in. And if that's the case, um, they could both hold standalone value. Um, but David Montgomery might have a little bit more value going at RB26 if he's really the guy that's going to be there around the goal line. Obviously, you know, this isn't Buffalo, right? Like Josh Allen's not going to be taking the ball in. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Jared, uh, uh, Jared, yeah, Jared Goff. Goff. Jesus. Uh, Jared Goff is obviously not going to be running the ball. So we don't have a Buffalo Bills situation here whatsoever. But um, yeah, both heroes to me, uh, just the, I, I worry about the Gibbs touchdown upside if he doesn't break them long in between the 20s. Yeah, absolutely agree. Uh, the way that they were using their running backs last year, it was swift, you know, in between the 20s, and then they would throw Jamal Williams in there to steal the touchdowns. And, you know, every Lions fan and every, you know, DeAndre Swift stan, you know, is losing their minds. You know, I like DeAndre Swift. It just didn't feel right. Uh, I didn't realize he's actually from Philadelphia, too. That's actually kind of awesome for him, like going, going to the Eagles after all this, like after this situation. Now he gets to go to a team that just went to the Super Bowl, and it's his hometown team. It's, I mean, it's actually pretty cool. Uh, let's close it up here with the Bears running backs. We've got three now. We've got Khalil Herbert, Roshan Johnson, and Donta Foreman. John, what are we thinking here? Is it is it wheels up for for uh, Khalil Herbert, or is this just going to be a completely middled group here? I think it's going to be everybody getting an opportunity. I think it's going to be running back by committee, and I mm-hmm. am very high on Roshan Johnson getting a real opportunity to eventually lead this core. Uh, you know, Khalil Herbert lost some time last year, and the big mm-hmm. thing with him has always been, you know. He doesn't have a lot of volume to him. He's actually very similar, although a little bit better, than Tariq Cohen. Uh, mm-hmm. He doesn't really block too well, just runs. He, he finds holes. He's very explosive, and that's great. But you have other guys now in the fray. You have Foreman, who had a great year last year, uh, 914 uh, rushing yards. And now you bring in Johnson, who some have said is really the biggest steal of the entire draft in mm-hmm. that late round. And I think he's going to get significant opportunities to at least prove himself. And if he takes advantage, I think the sky's the limit for him. I think it's going to be more so of a three-headed monster. I'm not confident fully in any of them to do anything significant because we don't know how the carries are going to be broken up. Mm -hmm. And I would say right now, Khalil Herbert's probably your best bet because of the incumbency. Watch out for Roshan Johnson. That's my at least uh, big prognostication after the draft. There's a lot of hype around him. And if you look at the tape and look at the numbers, it's for good reason. Yeah, absolutely. I've been drafting a ton of Roshan in my rookie drafts in, in Dynasty. I have not gotten a lot of him in best ball, and that's just because, again, like you just described, it, it feels like a very middle, very you know production by committee type of uh, you know situation here. Andrew, do you have anyone that's standing out alone other than I know that we've when we talked about Herbert, like when we look at the numbers, when he gets volume, like he's looked really, really good. Like when he gets like eighteen plus touches a game, he's put up the numbers. But are you betting that he's going to get that type of uh, volume this year? Man, this backfield's uh, a mystery to me yet. Um, I kind of take in a stand of if I need a running back and one of these guys are here, I'll take any of them because I think all Mm -hmm. of them have a path to be the best running back on the team. With that said, we've already saw what Khalil Herbert is, right? Like you kind of know what you're going to get from him if he gets the volume. Pretty good running back, but, but not elite status. Deontay Foreman? We saw him last year be, be really, 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 really good in Carolina. I, I think mm-hmm. that Devontae Foreman can be the number one running back here, but not so fast. Roshan Johnson, the new shiny toy, probably has the best skill set out of all of them. I, if I'm going to plant my flag on any of them, it's going to be Roshan just because I think he has the best skill set. They, they obviously use draft capital on him. 
And I mean, honestly, like these other guys aren't elite status. Roshan may not be elite, but he also might be. We, we're not sure yet. So I'd rather mm -hmm. just take the uncertainty with Roshan Johnson. And uh, I, if I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but is he he's going behind Khalil and in front of Foreman? Is that right? Correct. I think he's going correct. between the two. He's, he yeah. is going one spot, I believe, ahead of Dante Foreman right now. So they have okay. almost exactly the same ADP. Yeah, so I, I'd rather just take Roshan just because I'm not sure just wait. what he can do in the NFL, and I'd rather yeah. just take that. Because, again, I mean, this isn't going to be your running back one or running back two. Mm -hmm. This is going to be running back by four, five, six, somewhere in that range, right? I'd rather just take the shot on him and, and see what happens and drop him or you know, just, just be unsatisfied with him later on in the season than taking Cleo Herbert and just getting middling numbers throughout the year. Because I think it's going to be more of a three-headed monster for a couple weeks until they really feel out who they want to be the uh, you know number one and two guys that they use on a weekly basis. But I mean, it's, it's hard for me to imagine that Roshan isn't at least the two after week four or five. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely love it. And for the sake of my dynasty teams, I hope we're all correct. It sounds like we're all on that Roshan train. So absolutely loving it. John, this has been a great show. Really, really appreciate you coming on. Everybody listening, be sure to go visit sportstalkchicago.com. You can also visit Sports Talk Chicago on Apple and Spotify podcasts and check out his YouTube channel as well. Also, be sure to you know give this video a like, download, you know, the, the usual good stuff. John, do you have anything uh, on the books this week or in the coming weeks that you're working on that you'd like to share with folks? Sure. Uh, you know, we're launching a Sports Talk Chicago network actually now. So the YouTube page. Awesome. You can find out uh, some new podcasts are going to be coming up there in the next couple of weeks. We just launched one with Corey Wooten, a six-year NFL veteran, former Bear. A lot of Bears fans know Corey Wooten, does some stuff mm -hmm. on Fox 32. And now he's with us doing a weekly show with uh, Joey Christopoulos. Other shows in the work as well, college basketball-centered, Big Ten basketball-centered, Blackhawks, Cubs, etc. So a lot of exciting stuff coming in the next couple of weeks. So don't miss anything. Subscribe to the channel, and you'll see all that stuff when it goes up. Good stuff. Love it, love it. Andrew, anything to share before we head out? No man, just uh, you know, if uh, if anybody of you know if anybody's doing any best ball drafts and happens to see uh, Bruni or I in there, let us know, man. Uh, you know, you know, we'd love to uh, do more drafts with you guys. You know, obviously we're drafting every week uh, on our own and every week on the show, really too. So you know, feel free to hop in, draft with us as always. We love when there's a friends and family draft and we're drafting with you know four or five people that that we know. So um, you know, it's pretty much it, man. Best ball, <laughs> absolutely. Take care, uh, everybody. Take care. Be well. Be good. If you can't be good, be good at it. We'll see you.